0: Welcome to episode 224 of the TruthQuest podcast, the truth about the Federal Reserve at Primer. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and you see discussions going on about the Federal Reserve, the collusion between big tech and the federal government to censor dissent, gold and sound money principles, Joe Biden's penchant for lying, or the deadly COVID vaccine, please share the TruthQuest podcast with your friend. Tell them to browse the episode titles and dive into whatever topics pique their interest. Episodes are available on a host of platforms, including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, BitChute, Rumble, and Instagram, where I post a short highlight of each show at instagram.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. And I also recently joined Telegram. Whatever platform you may be listening to this on, please take a moment and subscribe to the podcast give it a five-star rating, hit the like button, or leave a positive review. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through online advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. My intention in producing this episode is to provide you with, as the title suggests, a primer on the Federal Reserve. I would love for this episode to be one that you can share with your friends to help them understand what a destructive force the federal government is generally, and the Federal Reserve is specifically. I have produced a number of episodes focused on the Federal Reserve, sound money, modern monetary theory, and decentralization. All relevant topics to this episode. I will make an effort to reference them throughout this episode in case you want to go deeper on any given topic. I'm going to walk through this episode by examining two perspectives, what we get with the Federal Reserve and what we could get without it. Before we dive in, a quick history lesson is required. The reason the Federal Reserve was established in the first place was to squelch competition. The big banks were facing competition from hundreds of small local banks, especially out west. So they did what big business always does. They ran to the federal government to have them write a bunch of laws increasing the barriers to entry into their industry. Voila! The Fed was born in 1913. Just in time to pay for World War I. Good old Woodrow Wilson. If you take a trip down memory lane from there, you will see how the existence of the Federal Reserve has been a force for evil ever since. All the wars and military incursions the United States has been involved in, funded by printed money rather than raising taxes and declaring war as dictated by the Constitution. The Federal Reserve was responsible for the Great Depression, stagflation in the 1970s, the housing bubble in 2008. They are also responsible for the current stock market bubble and the recession that we are living through right now. Much more on that as the episode progresses. By the way, check out episode 27 for a deep dive into the history of the Fed and episode 28 to examine the results of it. What do we get with the Fed? We get an unconstitutional government-granted monopoly on the creation of money, and they have a huge influence on determining the cost of credit or interest rates. We get one-size-fits-all. Without the Fed, we return to a gold- and silver-based currency as prescribed by the Constitution. And there is no monopoly on the creation of money because money is gold and silver, which cannot be printed by a central bank. Furthermore, without the Fed, the monetary system is completely decentralized, with billions of market participants determining what interest rates are instead of one entity. Let's unpack that a bit. The first thing you have to understand about the Federal Reserve is it's unconstitutional. Period. End of story. When I was prepping this episode, I was really tempted to end the episode there. Just produce a three-minute episode with that simple message. Not only is the Fed unconstitutional, but so is paper money. Did you know that the Constitution does not define the U.S. dollar? The Coinage Act of 1792 stated, quote, The dollar or unit shall be of the value of a Spanish milled dollar as the same is now current, to wit 371 and one quarter grams of silver. In other words, the dollar is a silver coin containing 371 and one quarter grams, or 0.773 ounces. The Coinage Act has never been repealed. Now let's circle back to the idea of a monopoly. We hear the left bemoan monopolies all the time, do we not? But strangely, we do not hear that same complaint when it comes to the Federal Reserve or any other federal entity which holds a monopoly, like the IRS or the DOJ or other law enforcement agencies with a monopoly power of force. Why do you think that is? By definition, monopolies almost always take advantage of their unopposed position in the market and purposely charge more for their goods or services than they would if there was competition. How does that manifest itself in the case of the Federal Reserve? Well, I'll use an analogy to answer that question. Let's draw the parallel between the Fed and the Supreme Court. Think about it. A nation of over 330 million people have their monetary policy prescribed largely by seven people, the Federal Reserve Board of Governors. Comparatively, nine justices of the Supreme Court apparently are the final arbiters of public and social policy for these same 330 million people. Why do we allow small groups of people to make major decisions for all of us? Let's unpack the idea of monopolies and centralization versus decentralization. I produced an entire episode not too long ago on the topic of decentralization. If you want to get into the weeds on that, check out episode 182. As you have likely noticed, everything the federal government does Calls for centralization, meaning one-size-fits-all, take it or leave it, no choices, just shut up if you don't like it since there ain't no customer service line or any higher power you can appeal to. My contention is that the root cause of virtually every problem we have in America and around the world can be attributed to centralization, and virtually every problem we have in America and around the world can be fixed by decentralization, making it a worthwhile subject of study. As I said, centralization is one size fits all. Decentralization is the opposite. What do you get from centralization? You get fewer choices, fewer opportunity for experiment, and little competition. Decentralization means the opposite. More choices, more experimentation, more competition. Think about your average grocery store. How many types of toilet paper, deodorant, cereal, and beer is available to you here in the United States and in other Western countries? Now consider what a grocery store looked like in the Soviet Union, or currently looks like in Venezuela or Cuba today. Having a single point of failure is always a bad idea. You want to have redundancies or fail-safes. Central banks like the Federal Reserve are, by definition, centralized, thus the name. As we already discussed, they have a monopoly power over many aspects of a country's monetary policy. It's a one-size-fits-all scheme with no fail-safes thus the booms and busts, the long-standing recessions and depressions that we'll talk about in a second. It provides an insane amount of power and control in the hands of a few people in DC, which always spells disaster for the masses. Why do you think the government fights against cryptocurrencies? Because they are decentralized and not in their control. Why do you think they resist gold and silver being used as currency? Same reason. Why are they pushing a digital currency? And moving away from cash, so they can have 100% control over the money and track your every transaction. Ultimately, they will control what you can spend your digital currency on. It's just a matter of time. In a sane, fedless monetary environment, you would not have the monopolistic market manipulation via perpetual 0% interest rates, quantitative easing, and the willy nilly inflationary digital printing of dollars. Instead, you would have a decentralized monetary system whereby interest rates are determined in the marketplace, which is comprised of billions of independent, voluntary transactions between millions of producers, consumers, workers, savers, investors, entrepreneurs, and even speculators, and would return our interest rates to a more normalized rate, which would encourage and reward savings. Back to our with the Fed, without the Fed conversation. With the Fed, we get price inflation. Price inflation is the result of an increase in the money supply, and guess who is in charge of the money supply? The Federal Reserve. It is very difficult to increase the supply of gold or silver. Therefore, price inflation is a damn near impossibility without the Fed. Check out episode 211, The Truth About Inflation in Under 15 Minutes, Soup, Bread and Rockets, for a deep dive into that topic. With the Fed, We have economy-wide booms and busts. We have witnessed over the last 10 to 12 years an artificially inflated stock market characterized by stock buybacks and dividend increases instead of productivity increases. Or what about the dot-com bubble in the 1990s or the stock market crash that preceded the Great Depression? All of them were artificial, all of them caused by the Federal Reserve. Want another example of boom and bust? How about the artificially inflated real estate markets? Do you remember 2008? What about the impending crash we are going to experience here in 2023? Both caused by the Federal Reserve. Without the Fed, we would see no economy-wide booms and busts, just typical localized and or sector-specific business fluctuations. The stock market would function normally with companies being rewarded for future growth, productivity, and innovation rather than debt-financed stock buybacks and other gimmicks. Additionally, real estate prices would normalize around regional supply and demand affordability based on market-driven interest rates. Similar to the booms and busts, with the Fed, recessions and depressions linger for years as the Fed's market manipulation interferes with free market principles. Can you say, too big to fail, zero interest rate, monetization of the debt? Without the Fed. Recessions and depressions would quickly self correct with the liquidation of bankrupt companies and industries. How many of you are aware of the depression of 1920? I suspect not many. That's because it was over and done very quickly because the government, i.e., the Federal Reserve, did not intervene. They let the free market sort things out. No too big to fail, no bailouts, just bankruptcy. Which leads us to our next category bailout or bankruptcy. With the Fed, you get the former. Without the Fed, you get the latter. It's important for you to understand that bankruptcy is an economic good. Does that sound counterintuitive? It serves as a cleansing mechanism in the economy. It clears the deck of failed businesses with its assets being sold off to companies that can make more productive use of them. The employees of the failed companies move on to greener, more productive pastures as they are reallocated in the economy to firms that are profitable and productive. They are dead weight to the economy working for the failing business, just like most government employees are leeches on the economy because they add nothing productive to it. With the Fed, we get arbitrarily suppressed interest rates, which discourages savings, hurts those on fixed income, the poor, and savers. Think about it. What is the incentive to save if the interest rate you earn is nominal? Instead, you go out and seek higher yields elsewhere, which means more risk. You see this today. Retired people are forced to put part of their life savings at risk in the stock market because they don't have the choice that their parents had 40 or 50 years ago to put some of their money in a CD that paid 5, 6, 10% a year. Additionally, the artificial rates send the wrong signal to entrepreneurs to borrow at the artificially lowered rates during a time when the economy may not support their expansion. What results is what is known as malinvestment. They invest in projects that, given a normal interest rate environment, would never be undertaken. You're going to be sick of hearing me say this, but without the Fed, We would have interest rates determined in the marketplace comprised of billions of independent voluntary transactions between millions of producers consumers workers savers investors entrepreneurs and even speculators and we would see rates normalize which would again encourage and reward savings which means interest rates would be much higher which in turn would create large supply of savings from which banks could lend out banks would compete to lower their rates to borrowers to attract customers which would send a signal to entrepreneurs to borrow and invest in expansion. That ebb and flow would determine what the interest rates are. With the Fed, the market is distorted because lending is suppressed. Why would an institution lend money at artificially low rates? Instead, institutions seek higher yields and take more risk than otherwise necessary by taking the cheap money from the Fed and investing it in the stock market or other riskier vehicles. This is part of the boom-bust cycle perpetrated by the Fed. Without the Fed, savings are used to finance business expansion. Depositors restrict their current consumption, i.e. they save in order to earn interest, which is now back to historical levels, and businesses expand using that savings, which is loaned to them. Lower consumption turns into more savings. Those saved dollars are loaned out. With the Fed, we get central planning and crony capitalism. Without the Fed, we get free market capitalism. With the Fed, we have a fiat currency, meaning the dollars they print are backed by nothing. No semblance of a precious metal standard or a gold standard. The Fed can conceivably print unlimited numbers of US dollars. They literally create them out of thin air by quote unquote buying US Treasury bonds, which are, of course, themselves created out of thin air. Without the Fed, we would have what's called sound money, possibly backed by gold and silver, both of which are scarce and limited and cannot be created out of thin air because they must be discovered, mined, and minted. They are rare, durable, portable, and divisible. This, of course, would solve the price inflation problem we just discussed. You can't inflate the money supply when the very thing you use to back it is rare. Check out episode 62, The Truth About Gold and Sound Money, for a deep dive into that topic. With the Fed, both the welfare and warfare state are fully funded. Guns and butter. Without the Fed, neither would be financed to the insane levels they are currently. I can't help myself. I have to briefly mention the constitutionality of welfare and warfare. Number one, federal spending on welfare is completely unconstitutional. All of it, from food stamps to Social Security disability to Medicare, Medicaid, housing subsidies, every dollar transferred from D.C. to an individual should be abolished. Number two, the Constitution does indeed make provisions for a military, specifically in Article 1, Section 8, which reads in part, The Congress shall have the power to declare war, to raise and support armies, but no appropriation of money, to that use shall be for longer term than 2 years to provide and maintain a navy to make rules for the government and regulations of the land and naval forces to provide for calling forth the militia to provide for organizing arming and disciplining the militia to that point do you hear anything about an intelligence apparatus that spies on a candidate for the presidency of the united states that spies on the citizens of the us without a warrant What about military bases all over the globe? Did you read that into those provisions? Oh, and that pesky clause about Congress declaring war? I mean, what the hell is that shit about? Everyone knows the president is the commander-in-chief. He just picks up the phone, and next thing you know, the bombing commences. Getting back on track regarding the Federal Reserve, guns and butter, welfare and warfare, without the Fed, Congress and the president would have to tax the public to pay for all their bullshit pork projects rather than rely on the Federal Reserve to print the money out of thin air. What do you think the public's reaction would be to higher taxes to pay for Space Force, or subsidies for solar panel companies, or perpetual welfare payments to people who are fully capable of working but choose to sit on their ass, or spending money on military bases all over the globe where their need is justified only by five obscure words? It's in our national interest. What do you think the public's reaction would be to higher taxes to fund the Pentagon's budget when they never pass an audit? Just today, as I was preparing my notes for this episode, I came across this story. I think it was actually a tweet. The Pentagon fails another audit. The Pentagon budget that we see is $800 billion. Of 27 departments, only seven were able to account for their money. The Pentagon's math is routinely off by hundreds of billions of dollars. The bottom line is, if the government wants to fund a program, they should be required to sell it to the American people in the form of higher taxes to pay for it. With the Fed, there is no selling. There are no trade-offs. If the Democrats want to pass a boondoggle Inflation Reduction Act that actually increases inflation then they have to either sell the American people on paying more in taxes to fund it, or they have to stop funding other programs and reallocate those funds to their boondoggle. You have to understand that the presidents that propose massive spending, paid for through printing rather than tax increases, and the members of Congress that vote for that shit are all crooks and thieves. They are political whores. How can I say that? Well, Because a whore, by definition, besides the obvious, is a person considered of having compromised principles for personal gain. These people, from both political parties, are bankrupting the country through the massive debt and through 40-year high price inflation, which is caused by increasing the money supply. They are political whores. To wrap things up, in a sane fedless monetary environment you would not have the monopolistic market manipulation of interest rates which most recently kept them basically at zero for what 10 12 years in a sane fedless monetary environment you would not have quantitative easing the monetization of the debt and the inflationary willy-nilly digital printing of dollars what is known as mmt modern monetary theory which was the subject of episode 154 if you're interested in a sane fedless monetary environment you would not have booms and busts you would have no bailouts just bankruptcy instead we would have a decentralized market driven monetary environment where interest rates were determined by billions of independent financial transactions which invariably would revert rates back to historical levels we would have normalized interest rates that encourage savings and rewarded savers those higher rates would allow senior citizens, to live off the interest generated from their savings nest egg rather than risking it in the current Federal Reserve-driven boom-and-bust faux stock and bond markets. These organically saved dollars would then be made available to the capital markets in the form of loans made by the banks where the deposits are held. Without the Fed, mismanaged firms and too-big-to-fail companies would go bankrupt, At the end of the day, the question you have to answer is, would you rather have a handful of people making decisions for you or millions of people making decisions for themselves and thus creating the market? Do you want Jerome Powell manipulating interest rates, destroying the U.S. dollar and bankrupting the country, or millions, if not billions of people in the market determining interest rates? Do you want a handful of so-called health experts forcing a vaccine on the world? Or thousands, if not millions, of physicians and researchers pooling their combined expertise and sharing the remedies that they have used successfully? I, for one, am all in on decentralization, which means the abolishment of the unconstitutional Federal Reserve and a return to sound money. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform.